This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, May 3rd. I'm Gavin McGough. And I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, county will not appeal Diamond Ridge decision. Results from special district elections. Mountain Film announces initial lineup. And a mountain weather forecast. The Diamond Ridge Affordable Housing Project may have run its course. Last summer, the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners voted to rezone land it had recently acquired at Diamond Ridge, directly north of the Telluride Airport, for use as affordable housing. While many are familiar with the backstory, in December, a judge reversed the county's rezoning decision, returning the property to forest, agricultural, and open space. Following that, San Miguel County issued a limited motion for reconsideration, which essentially asked the judge to review his decision and potentially reopen it. Addressing the Board of County Commissioners this week, County Attorney Amy Markwell picks it up from here. And um, the court order came back where the judge um, considered our, our our points and considered um, the plaintiff's counterpoints and and still made a determination that um, the rezoning uh, did not comply with the master plan. And so you have options. I know you are weighing those options. One of those options facing the commissioners is an appeal and an effort to have the local judge's decision reviewed in a higher court. Such an effort would be time-consuming, but could potentially reopen a path to developing the land as affordable housing. Here's Commissioner Lance Waring. I have no interest in appealing the decision that's been rendered. So that, to me, is the first step in in our decision-making. The judge's decision late last year found County Commissioner Hillary Cooper should have recused herself from the rezoning decision. Cooper says she disagrees with the ruling. I believe that the judge was incorrect in his findings on both my recusal and in reversing a land use decision, which is clearly, factually, and lawfully a matter of local and statewide concern and not a judicial decision. Ultimately, however, Cooper sides with Waring. That said, I don't want to spend any more county resources on fighting the neighbors and on choosing to take this further on up through the courts, although I am... 99% confident that any capable judge would overturn this particular local judge's decision. The decision not to seek an appeal makes the future of the Diamond Ridge parcels, which total roughly 100 acres, unclear. The judge's decision to preserve the zone district as agricultural and open space will severely limit development options on the site and obstruct the county's plan to build affordable housing. County staff report the commissioners will have to regroup with the town of Telluride, a partner on the project, in order to determine next steps. Those meetings will take place over the coming months. The Telluride Fire Protection District is allowed to increase taxes, and the hospital district has a new board following Tuesday's election. The Telluride Fire Protection District asked voters to approve a mill levy increase of four mills to fund district needs. The ballot measure narrowly passed with 632 in support and 561 voting against. It's a huge relief uh, to have support and confidence of the the community to move forward with uh, the continued effort to 
to protect life, property, and the environment by responding to the emergency needs of, of our community. That's Telluride Fire Protection District Chief John Bennett. He says the funding will go towards a myriad of challenges facing the fire district. Workforce housing continued um, support of training of our, our emergency responders, um, um, our 4896 um, housing at, at the, a couple of stations, um, apparatus replacement, you know, just continued support, uh, support of, of those processes and, and moving forward. And while funds raised from the tax increase won't be collected right away. Starting today, the planning process starts. I feel like we're great stewards of the taxpayer dollar and, and we will continue to do that. When it comes to the hospital district, Banks Brown and Allison McLean were elected to four-year terms with 716 and 696 votes respectively. Mark Cabrera was elected to a two-year term with 763 votes. McLean and Cabrera are incumbents currently sitting on the hospital district board. Brown will be stepping in as a new member. Incumbent Robert Pinkert was not re-elected to the board. Cabrera notes while the outcome of his race isn't a surprise, he ran unopposed, it feels good to be elected to the board. I mean, we have a lot of work to do at the board level, and I'm excited um, that there'll be a new addition to the team and Um, I'll continue to work with some great other uh, fellow directors. Cabrera says in the coming years, the board will need to address challenges to providing care as the Telluride region continues to grow and shift. Some of that may be as simple as we just need more space uh, to be able to accommodate more providers and offer more services. Some of it may relate to uh, investment in additional um, clinical services uh, that would support the community. So, I think it's just keeping up with uh, the the growth and development of this community and making sure that the the medical center um, is adhering to its mission, which is to support this community with the best health care. For Allison McLean, one of those major challenges when it comes to those shifts is housing. She says it's one of the issues that led her to seek re-election. You know, we have kids in school here and we see it at every turn, um, the struggle with housing and what it's doing to every um, entity, every service provider, every public entity in town. And so what drew me to re-election as much as the new facility and using my professional experience is uh, I want to work on housing. Finally, newly elected Banks Brown says he's grateful to join the board. I've always believed uh, that good citizens should participate in public things, uh, whether it's school districts or design review boards or hospital boards or airport boards, libraries. Uh, Those are the things that make the community valuable. And uh, when you look at the the things that great communities have, one of those things is always going to be healthcare. And uh, so, you know, I think for the good of the town of Telluride, the town of Mountain Village, the county, uh, we deserve to have really, really good medical facilities because I think it reflects on the community and what we're all about. Brown notes he hopes to bring stability and sound reasoning to the board while addressing multiple issues facing the community. My hope is, is that we can make bring stability to the med center and all the transactions going forward, uh, make it a great place for both patients 
and staff and employees, make it a good place to work. Uh, the big question, obviously, is new facility and deciding what that facility really needs to be and should be. Uh, the other thing is bringing uh, a better level of profitability to the med center. McLean adds that while board members throw their hats in the ring to be elected, she hopes all residents of the community will step up to participate in the state of health care in the region. That's important to the board that we are in lockstep with what the community wants, what the community needs. And so as we move forward and we start to ask for that engagement, I just hope that the community is willing and has the time to participate. According to San Miguel County Clerk Stephanie Van Dam, 1,202 ballots were returned and counted out of 4,996 ballots issued for a turnout rate of 24%. Compared to the special district election last year, Van Dam notes that's an increased turnout of 2%. The results from Tuesday's election are still unofficial. Ballot counts could change based on military and overseas ballots received in the next week. Official election results will be certified later this month. Stoke and the Indomitable Spirit is in the air. The 45th Mountain Film Festival will kick off in a few short weeks, and recently the festival announced its initial lineup of films. This year's festival will feature over 100 films, including 22 features and 85 shorts, 17 of which will give their world premiere. Mountain Film promises they'll be inspiring, heart-stopping, and adventure-packed. I always love to promote our world premieres because that's always really special, and we have several features this year. Suzanne Barraza, Mountain Film Festival director. Including the world premiere of an HBO film. We got an HBO film, and it's called Trees and Other Entanglements. The director is the same director who had a beautiful film a few years ago called Moonlight Sonata, if people remember that film. So we're really excited to premiere Trees and Other Entanglements. The festival is also premiering two films created through its Commitment Grant Program. The film's called Patrol, and it's set in Nicaragua. And it's the story of rangers, a conservationist, and a journalist who work together to protect an indigenous the, indig- uh, the indigenous ancestral lands of one of the last remaining rainforests in Central America. The second commitment grant film is called Impossible Town. It takes place in West Virginia, kind of like this mining town that's been impacted, and a medical doctor who is trying to give them voice. Mountain film regulars Jimmy Chin and Chai Vasarelli will be back with their latest documentary, Wild Life, which ties together a decades-long love story, the founding of North Face, and a huge conservation push in the high peaks of Argentina. While there are plentiful short films, Lucy Lerner, senior program and festival manager, highlights the orchestra Chuck built. It's about a uh, black youth orchestra in Los Angeles. It's called the Orchestra Chuck built. We're going to have some very special guests coming, uh, maybe some members of the orchestra Hmm. coming. Bill McKibben is guest director of the festival this year. He's founder of 350.org and Third Act encouraging older members of society to take a stand and take action when it comes to climate change. But not all guests will be fully human. Her name is Sophia, and she is a socially intelligent machine, is really all I can say about her. So she's otherworldly, and she'll be joining us at the festival. She is the main subject of a film called Sophia, 
in her own name. And it is a fantastic film, Not to be Missed. It's one of our features that's playing this year. When Barraza thinks of the festival this year, she sees it looking into the future. Especially after all those years, the dark years of COVID, we've kind of been in these cocoons. And now we're looking like, what is the new future going to look like? And I think that's why we're really looking at things like artificial intelligence and having a talk about that and looking at robotics and um, chat GPT. And um, so that's, that is one of the through lines that we've really been looking at. Festival passes are still available, but for those without, there are a number of open to the community events, including four nights of films at Base Camp in Town Park. There will be a gallery walk on Friday, ice cream social on Main Street on Saturday, coffee talks throughout town on the weekend, and a Main Street dance party in honor of Hillary Nelson on Saturday night. It all kicks off on May 25th and continues throughout the Memorial Day weekend, ushering in both summer and Telluride's festival season. Aging, a reality of life for most of us, but not always a comfortable topic. Next week, the Wilkinson Public Library will host an aging forum to discuss the realities and resources available in the region. Conversation will cover aging services, caregiver support services, Alzheimer's and dementia, five wishes documents, how to write an obituary, and hospice services available in our region. The program is a collaboration with the library, Tri-County Health Network, the Caregiver Support Foundation, Alzheimer's Association, Touch of Care Hospice, and the Telluride Foundation. The Aging Forum will take place on Tuesday, May 9th from 5.30 to 7 p.m. at the Wilkinson Public Library. Mountain Village is looking to enliven its sidewalks and plazas with new works of public art, and it's calling on artists for ideas and submissions. An application for artists with proposals is now live and available through May 19th. Winning proposals will receive up to $15,000 to cover artist fees, as well as the cost of materials, transportation, and installation. The Public Art Push is a collaboration between the Town of Mountain Village, TMVOA, and Telluride Arts. The winning proposal will be selected before the end of this month, and Mountain Village plans to have the new work in place by the end of June. A full application form can be found at telluridearts.org. Colorado now has new protections in place for people who report emergency overdoses. Governor Jared Polis signed them into law on Monday. Previously, Coloradans were provided limited immunity from arrest and prosecution when reporting an overdose to emergency responders. The new law expands that to include immunity from possession charges if a person has up to four grams of a controlled substance. You can still face charges if you're dealing drugs when you report an overdose. Under the new law, however, they'll be lowered from a felony to a misdemeanor as long as you're distributing four grams or less of a substance. You'll also have to stay on scene and cooperate with first responders to have the protections. A politically charged land use bill that was gutted in the state Senate cleared its first House committee on Tuesday night. KOTO's Lucas Brady Woods reports that's only after controversial elements of the bill were reinstated. 
The original bill sought to create housing by imposing higher-density zoning requirements across Colorado. The Senate removed those mandates last week in response to major opposition. Now the bill's House sponsors have partially restored them. That's reigniting opposition from local leaders. Colorado Municipal League Executive Director Kevin Bomber says cities and towns should be in control of housing policy. Municipalities are already doing it, as you've heard, and would love to have a partner with the state, not an adversary. We are better than that, or at least we should be. The latest amendments would require multi-unit zoning around transit routes and a ban on accessory dwelling unit restrictions. If the bill passes the House, the Senate still has to approve the changes before it can go to the governor's desk. That all has to happen before the session ends on Monday. I'm Lucas Brady-Woods at the State Capitol. It's hard to overstate the amount of hype generated by former NFL champion Deion Sanders' new role as CU Boulder's head football coach. Sanders left Jackson State University in HBCU last December to lead the football team at the University of Colorado. Tickets to the recent CU spring scrimmage sold out weeks before the event. Last year, tickets were free, and even then, attendance was sparse. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KGNU's Jimmy Searfoss went to the game to hear from the fans. The spring game took place on a snowy, cold Saturday morning, but that didn't stop over 47,000 fans from showing up. A CU record. They were tailgating in the parking lots across campus before the game, some a little different than others. Champagne, why the champagne this morning? Uh, I think it's our tradition. We drink champagne at tailgates. That's yeah. what we do. And we we're celebrating since... Dion. Yeah. Cheers yeah. to Dion. NFL Hall of Famer, former baseball player, and now head coach of the Colorado Buffaloes, Dion Primetime Sanders has injected the team with hope and a fan base with hype that it hasn't seen since the 90s. We haven't seen this much publicity, you know, excitement. The fact that the spring game, it's snowing, it's sold out, everyone's going to be here. It's just what I love to see around campus. The team is now getting nationwide attention. And for a football team that went just 1-11 a year ago, the hype around the program is unprecedented. So it's, we've seen the team lose a lot. We've, people say that, oh, this is the first time that there's going to be fans at the stadiums. There was always fans. We were always committed. But now it's seeing like a good team on the field is going to be something special. I think the energy that Coach Prime was, you know, brought to the campus, like, you know, it, we're willing to sacrifice and be out here in the snow and come support and come see the new team and stuff. You know, it's like we, we've been season ticket holders since we've graduated, you know, for a few years now. And we've been in the trenches, you know. And so coming when there's energy, actual energy, in, you know, in the stadium and everything, it's exciting for us. And, you know, we're willing to make the sacrifices and stuff. So. Coach Sanders has brought in a transfer class that is the best in the nation, according to multiple sites like 247 Sports and Rivals.com, who track college football recruiting. The vast majority of the team that is going to play for Colorado this year did not play for Colorado last year. And fans are putting their full trust in Coach Sanders that he's going to be able to put together a solid program for the 2023 season. Well, we are happy. Finally, the administration opens and hire Coach Prime. They went all out. And, yeah, and we, they have our support, you know. We've been longtime Buffalo fans, and finally to have a little bit of reason to be here anyways, it's, it's pretty awesome. I, lo I love it. I love that he's here, and uh, I love that he's renewed the luster to the program, you know. It's, it's a program that's been crapped the last 20 years, and we're back where we belong in the spotlight. 
If a few fan testimonials didn't do the trick to convince you that they are hyped for this team, try listening to this crowd roar as the Buffaloes took the field for a game that's really just a glorified scrimmage and doesn't really matter. Reporting for KGNU, I'm Jimmy Searfoss. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for a chance of rain and snow tonight with a low around freezing. Thursday calls for lingering snow showers in the morning followed by rain and cloudy skies with a high near 55 degrees. Thursday night should be mostly clear with a low near 30. Friday calls for sun, breezy conditions and a high near 55. Friday night calls for partly cloudy skies and a low near 30 degrees. This has been the news for Wednesday, May 3rd. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, a personal commentary. Hello, KOTO community. It is Lauren Kenobi here with True North Youth Program. And I am happy to announce that we are offering our sixth annual Teen Summer Jobs Programming, generously sponsored by the one and only Alpine Bank. And we are again creating a summer jobs board that will be released on May 12th. And these jobs are specifically for teens in order to help connect regional employers to those students. And all businesses in San Miguel and West Montrose counties that are willing and able to hire teens are invited to participate. And businesses will have the opportunity to provide a business and job description, contact information, and instructions on how to apply that will then be listed on our Teen Summer Jobs Board. And then True North will work to connect qualified students for these positions, as well as supporting them with resume writing, interview preparation, and job etiquette. So businesses can register in advance at truenorthyouthprogram.org slash jobsfair. Or you can contact 970-708-1986 with questions. We do ask that all businesses register by May 5th, and this will help us get those listings updated on our website in time for that May 12th release. And students, if you are hunting for a summer job, please make sure to find a Truner staff member in your school. We're there each week, and we can work with you to find the right fit, or you can contact us with that phone number or via email. So happy job hunting, and thanks to all who are already participating. See you out there. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You are also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you'd like to comment, please contact a staff person here at KOTO. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.